You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, well, it, is, it has just been one of those weeks uh, over uh, at my house, sort of one thing after another uh, this week. I have two little girls, and they're both a little bit under the weather, and so their noses are running, and they're coughing and wheezing, and they're not sleeping very well, right? Uh, and then uh, my, my wife got an allergic reaction to something going on, uh, and, and that has been really awful. It has included uh, two trips in the middle of the night to the ER, a, a separate trip uh, to the doctor to try and figure out what's going on. She's been on two uh, rounds of, of uh, steroids. They upped her dosage. She's been on other meds. Uh, we have uh, washed every single thing in our house three, four, five times over, just trying to get rid of whatever the heck was causing that thing. Right? It's just been one of those weeks. We're just exhausted. Uh, we're worn out. Uh, we're tired. Right, we all have those weeks, right, when in the middle of them you just, you just think, you just feel like, man, we just, we just got to get through this week. Right, we just got to get through this week. I've, I've felt that uh, this week. But I'm thankful for texts like 2 Timothy 2 that paint uh, a much more glorious picture of what it looks like for us to endure and to persevere, to get through uh, our weeks. And we're going to look at that a little bit together uh, today. We have been looking at the book of 2 Timothy together, and this is a short letter from the Apostle Paul to his disciple in the faith, uh, Timothy. Now, if I had to pick a big idea uh, to summarize the overall message uh, of Paul in this book, in this letter, it's this, right? The gospel is worth it, Right? The big idea, the one thing, the one theme of this letter Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy is the gospel is worth it. That's the theme of this letter. In the first chapter, Paul tells Timothy that because the gospel is worth it, you must guard and proclaim it. And then in the first half of chapter two that we looked at last week and that we're looking at together today, Paul tells Timothy that because the gospel is worth it, you must endure. Right? There will be suffering and trials and hardships that come with living for Christ and his gospel, and yet we must endure. Uh, but thankfully, uh, Paul's call to endure in the Christian life is much more uh, rich, it's much more beautiful, uh, it's much more glorious than just, we just got to get through this thing. Right? Paul calls Timothy, and he calls you and I to endure in the Christian life because the gospel is worth it. And so he says, endure, press on, stand firm in God's grace. And the question that I want us to consider today is how? How do we endure? How do we keep going in what God has called us to? Paul has already given us the why of this question. We endure, right, the why is because the gospel is worth it. But how? How do we endure? And our text uh, today in 2 Timothy is going to tell us uh, three things about how to endure. And so let's look at them together. If you don't already, go ahead and open up your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. And so it'll be, we'll kind of break it down verse by verse. And so it'll be helpful for you just to, to look at the text and to look at, at, at what Paul is saying. Well, starting in verse uh, 8 here, he, he's, um, he started... Uh, chapter 2 by, by telling um, Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, look, you, you have to endure, you have to press on, and he says, you should, you should endure like a good soldier. 
right? Like, like a farmer. Uh, and, and then in here in verse 8, he's going to go on to tell us how. How do we endure? So look with me at verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. The first thing that the text gives us for how we are to endure is that we are to remember Jesus Christ. The way to endure is by remembering Jesus. Never let Jesus be far from your mind. Remember him. Meditate on him. This word, remember, also has the connotation of making mention of, right? So it's a very active word. We are to remember Jesus by rehearsing or making mention of him in our mind over and over and over. And, and, and what does the text say that we are to uh, particularly remember about Jesus, right? Verse 8 says that we are to remember that he is risen from the dead. We are to remember the resurrection of Jesus, And and this resurrection of Jesus wasn't just some random resurrection of Jesus. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. It was the resurrection of the offspring of David. Every Jew that would have been reading this passage would would know exactly what Paul was referring to, exactly why Paul included that. They would know that what the offspring of David meant. It meant that Jesus is the one promised to come in the line of the King David. He is the long-awaited Messiah, and that meant that this resurrection was not just some random resurrection, right, but the resurrection of an everlasting king. And so we are to remember Jesus, we are to remember his resurrection. Why the resurrection? Why does Paul mention that we're to remember the resurrection? What is it specifically about the resurrection that helps us to endure? Well, the resurrection tells us uh, that since Jesus is risen from the dead, right, he is alive. Right? He is triumphant over death. The resurrection uniquely speaks of the power of God. What is it that makes Christianity unique among other religions? I, th- I think there's a few things, uh, but I think the most foundational thing is that as Christians, we worship a risen Savior. If Christ hadn't uh, risen from the grave, then our faith is in vain. That's what scripture tells us. But he did rise. And we have the witness of the early church to root and to ground our faith in the fact that the resurrection happened, that it's true, that it's a historical fact. Did you know that uh, 10 of the 12 disciples, uh, 10 of, of the 12 of Jesus' uh, disciples were willingly died as martyrs in, in the belief specifically that the resurrection happened? Right? The early church, the, the, the rallying cry that the early church was, was formed around, that it grew around, was the belief that the resurrection happened, that it occurred, that it was a historical truth. And they believed it because Jesus appeared to them. Right? They saw for themselves the risen Savior. Right? For the early church, the resurrection was the power that they had to endure. They endured even to the point of giving their lives. And while Jesus hasn't appeared to us bodily, he's not appeared to me bodily, he has poured out his spirit inside of us so that we might have that same exact resurrection power inside of us. Romans 8 says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, if that spirit dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead also gives life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. 
The Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. The Spirit of God embodies our very members, strengthening and helping us to endure. The power to endure, it doesn't come from just sucking it up, from just gritting your teeth and, ah, we just, just got to get through this. Right? You simply cannot white-knuckle your way through the Christian life for very long. True and lasting power to endure comes from remembering Jesus Christ risen from the dead and remembering that that same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. You Most of us struggle to believe uh, that we have access uh, to that kind of power. Or at least I don't know about you, but I personally struggle to believe that the Holy Spirit uh, that lives inside of me, that that means that I have the very resurrection power of God living in my life. And I am, I'm very much, I'm a pragmatist. I just go off of what I can see for the most part. And so because we are prone towards unbelief, Paul puts this command in here for us. He says, remember. is when you are struggling to believe that, that you can really change, that you can really be transformed, that you can really grow in the Christian life. When you are struggling to believe that you can really overcome some sin, in your life, when you are struggling with doubt and despair, when you are struggling just feeling under the pile, feeling distant from God, remember that Jesus rose from the dead. Remember that his spirit lives inside of you. That is true power to endure. Uh, many of us, uh, likewise, just tend to go about our days just trying to get to the next thing. Right? We, we struggle to live our lives with just an active sense that God is with us that he is at work in the world, that he he cares about what I'm doing at any given moment, that there's just really anything spiritual going on around us. This sort of uh, functional belief is called practical atheism. And if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with you guys, I far too often live my life as a practical atheist. And, And Paul is saying here, he's saying, remember Jesus. He says, that's not who you are. You have been changed By the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been united with Jesus. And so remember him. Remember Jesus. He is risen. You have access to him and you have access to his spirit. You have access to the resurrection power of God. And so in this sense, the call to remember Jesus is a call to be mindful of him, to to communicate with him, to consider his infinite value and worth and power, to turn it over in your mind. I think the, the applications of what this would look like in our lives, it's so varied. There, there's so many different applications. I, I couldn't possibly spell all of those out for you right now. But I think it's, just, I think it's worth considering this week. You might want to write this question down, maybe think about it, talk with a spouse, a family member, a friend. But how can you build the habit of remembering Jesus throughout your day? How can you build the habit in your day-to-day life of remembering Jesus? I think that's something that is very doable for us, but man, it is so beneficial. The first thing that Paul tells us about how we are to endure in the Christian life is by remembering Jesus Christ. But he does not stop there. He also says that we endure in the Christian life 
by considering Paul's own life, specifically to consider Paul's gospel motivations that were driving him. So I want to look at that a little bit together. If you want to learn from someone, if you want to learn from someone's example about what it means to endure, Paul has a pretty good resume. Just listen to this list of Paul's sufferings. This comes from 2 Corinthians 11. These are Paul's own words. He says, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes. I've been beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day and hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it. What drove Paul to endure suffering like that? I think we see uh, here in in 2 Timothy, I think we see two gospel motivations uh, from Paul's life. And the first one uh, comes there in verse 9. And so he says uh, in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And then verse 9, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. He says, I am suffering, I am imprisoned, I am bound with chains, but the word of God is not bound. This this is the foundation for Paul's courage. Despite my weaknesses, despite my limitations, the word of God is not bound. It is limitless in its power and in its reach. Our sufferings and weaknesses are, are not hindrances to the gospel. In fact, God uses our suffering and weaknesses as a means of advancing the gospel. Paul wrote about his suffering and imprisonment in a few of his letters. He mentioned it as he was writing to the church in Philippi as well. And he said this, he said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, I might be suffering. I might be tired and weary. I might be in pain. I might be bound, but the word of God is not. It cannot be bound or contained. It will go forth and it will accomplish the mission of God. That's the first of Paul's gospel motivations. About a year ago, I was doing... Uh, a lot of work uh, to my backyard. I was um, sort of opening up a bit and uh, replaced, uh, had the, the fences uh, replaced and tore down a bunch of trees. Uh, and one thing I wanted to do was to, uh, to plant some, to bam- some bamboo to provide some screening to one uh, part uh, of my yard. And what I learned uh, in this process of planting this bamboo uh, is that there's two kinds of bamboo. Did you know this? Uh, uh, there's running bamboo and there's clumping bamboo, Okay. 
Now, I planted the clumping bamboo, right? Clumping bamboo is uh, you plant it in the ground, and for the most part, it, it just sort of it clumps together, right? Uh, and it, it, it's, it's contained, for the most part, to the place where you plant it. I mean, it grows and, and it becomes full, uh, but it, but it kind of just stays where you plant it. Now, uh, I would not advise you uh, to plant running bamboo. You have probably seen it around Austin, but running bamboo does something completely different. And when you plant it in the ground, it, it shoots its roots down, and it just uh, it shoots across these, um, uh, well, it runs across, I should say, these shoots all over your yard, right? And so it just runs these, these roots or these shoots uh, all across your yard, and what, what happens is you'll plant it right here, and then just all of a sudden over there, it'll just start planting up with bamboo, right? And if you don't like that, you can go to dig it up, but what you'll find is you just keep digging and digging and digging and digging, and you can never dig it out, Right? it's because it has this power to just, it, it can't be contained, right? It, it pushes through whatever it is and it just spreads like wildflower. And Paul tells us that the message and the mission of God cannot be stopped and contained. It's an unstoppable force. So let me ask you, do you feel beaten down and defeated? I want you to know this. The word of God is not Bound. It is never defeated. Nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. It will break through whatever barriers people set up for it. However people try to suppress it, it cannot be held back. However people may try to stamp it out or to bury it, it will rise again. God will accomplish his work. No one can thwart God's purposes. Let me ask you again, do you feel tired and weary. I want you to consider this. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The undefeatable word of God, it it is our very courage to endure in this life. And Paul is motivated by the power and by the reach of God's word. But he also has another gospel motivation. Look at uh, verse 10 with me. We're just working our way through here. So he says, the word of God is not bound. But then he goes on. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says that God has, God has chosen for himself a people. He's chosen for himself a people, and their end is eternal glory. And Paul's motivation to endure is so that those people might come to see and might come to experience salvation so that Paul might be an instrument in their salvation. It is for the sake of the elect that Paul endures all that he does. He has a love and a concern for others to hear and to be changed by the gospel. Paul was motivated both by the power of God's word, but also he was motivated by a love for God's people. And now he uses this, uh, this interesting term, or at least I find it interesting. He uses the term elect. Right? He, he could have used... Uh, other words, right? He could have used the word church, he could have used the word God's people, but instead he uses this word elect. 
What I think is interesting about this is that the fact that God has chosen or elected a people for himself does not demotivate Paul in any way. It's exactly the opposite. Right? It's the certainty of God's election that motivates Paul. Right? The certainty that there are those who are elect does not make us stop preaching. It does not make us stop enduring. But rather, right, it makes us confident and knowing that our enduring will not be in vain. You see, Paul is motivated by a love for God's people that they would uh, hear and be changed by the gospel. You know, when we endure trials and adversity, I think one of the things that happens is we begin, our eyes just begin to turn in on ourselves. The pain, the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual suffering and torment is just sometimes so deep that we can't, we can't see beyond it. We can't see anything else. We get sort of tunnel vision. And I think... Paul is saying here is that the gospel has transformed the way that I look at my suffering. It's transformed the way I look at my trials and my hardship and my adversity because I realize that my hardships, my trials exist in part for the sake of the well-being and the benefit of God's people. And so suddenly, Paul's eyes, instead of being focused in on himself, turn up and they look out at God's people and they say, how can I be of help to the people of God in the midst of my suffering? How is God using my suffering and my adversity and my trials uh, to bring others to salvation? Uh, And here's the thing. Uh, Focusing uh, on others and their uh, well-being, it's the fuel, uh, or at least it's a fuel that helps us uh, to endure, Uh, but it's also a path. It's the path through uh, our suffering. Uh, Here's what I mean by that. I'm I'm not much uh, of, a, of a biker. Um, actually, I have no idea why I said that. I'm not a biker at all. <laughs> I don't bike. Uh, but my, my grandfather was a biker, and he loved to bike. And, and he would always, I remember him saying this. He would say, you know, if you're biking, you're going down the road, and you see these, uh, these two rocks, right? Or, or really just any barrier. But if you see these two rocks, he said, the way to get through those rocks is not to focus on the rocks themselves, not to focus on the obstacles in front of you, but to focus on the path between them. And he said, if you just intently focus on the path right between them, then you'll, you'll go right through every time. I think cultivating a love for God's people is sort of like that. As we take our eyes off of ourselves and our struggles, and our focus becomes on loving others well, I think in that we find both the strength and the path towards endurance. Paul was motivated by the power of God's word. He was also motivated by a love for God's people. The final truth that I want us to look at about enduring that Paul gives us in this passage is that we endure by trusting in the promises of God. We endure by trusting in the promises of God. Let's look, look back our text again. Again, we're just making our way through it. And so verse 11, and Paul says, this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, that is Christ, we will also live with him. If we endure, 
we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Uh, this little stanza, in probably most of your Bibles, if not all your Bibles, it would probably be offset or it looks like a little quote. And this was some kind of hymn or, or creed that the ancient church would, would sing or, or they would recite. It was something that they were all very familiar with. Uh, and you'll, you'll notice that it's made up of these four uh, stanzas uh, that make up this ancient uh, hymn. And Paul begins, uh, he begins uh, this uh, hymn uh, in verse 11 with saying, this, this uh, saying is trustworthy, right? You, you can count on it. You can bank on it. This is certain. And he starts off by saying, if we have died with him, then we will also live with him. If we have died with Christ, then we too will live with Christ. Dying with Christ means dying to ourself here on earth and walking under the lordship of Jesus. Right? We, we die to, we give up doing life our own way and, and, and trying to please ourselves, and instead we look to Christ. Right? We take direction from him and we seek to please him. And the promise is that as we die to ourselves, we experience the blessings of life with Christ, both now and in the future. This is at the heart of the gospel, right? Death to self and life in Jesus. And Paul is saying here, it's a promise. It's rock solid. It's certain. And and the saying goes on there in verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And this word endure is, is a, sort of a military term. Uh, it means to stand firm, right? to hold your ground, right? not, not to flee or abandon, but rather to abide. Right? And so if we endure, right? if the overall uh, posture of our life is not me but Christ, then not only will we live with Christ, but we will reign with him. It says that we will be victors with Christ. On the cross, uh, Christ, in essence, was saying, not me, but them. Right? My life for theirs. And Christ gave up his life for us, for you and I, so that in our lives, in our sufferings, in our adversity, that we might be able to say, not me, but Christ. And the promise to all those who endure is it is worth it. The gospel is worth it. The Christian life is worth it because it leads to what? Living and reigning with Christ. There could be nothing greater. Have you considered how the uh, certainty of victory uh, changes your outlook on things? The Super Bowl is about to be uh, played here shortly. You guys are looking to get out for that, I'm sure. Uh, Football, I think, is if not the hardest, it's one of the hardest sports. I mean, guys are just hitting each other over and over again, right? We're seeing more and more just the damaging effects that football can have. It's a dangerous sport. It's got to be hard, grueling, right? Week after week of this. And you've got the, the whole off-season workouts, and you've got preseason, and you've got two-a-days. It's a hard sport. I can just imagine, right? You, you wake up in the middle of these two-a-day workouts. You, you just wake up on, on a Monday morning after you just played a game. You You've got to be thinking, like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? But what if, uh, before the season started, you you knew that you were going to win the Super Bowl? How would that change your outlook just on a week-to-week basis? 
How would, how would that change your outlook and how you were able to endure and the grind, the week-to-week grind that football would be? It wouldn't matter, like no matter how the season goes, no matter how hard it is, no matter the sacrifices that you would have to make, it it would be worth it because victory is certain. It would be worth it because you knew that at the end of that season, you'd be standing there on that stage holding the Super Bowl trophy. You would be a Super Bowl champion. It would all be worth it because victory was certain. And the promise that Paul is pointing us to here is that those who are in Christ Jesus have certain victory. The outcome has already been decided for us. How would that change our outlook on enduring in the Christian life? And this uh, saying goes on. It says, if we deny him, he will also uh, deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot uh, deny himself. Uh, these two lines are two ways of, of saying the same exact thing. And I think the emphasis uh, here uh, in, in these verses, in, in these particular lines, is on the on, uh, authenticity of our faith. I think the emphasis here is on authentic faith in Christ. And so denying him is referencing those who do not have authentic faith in Christ. Right? They deny Christ by placing their faith, their hope in something other than Jesus. And so you say, well, what about the person who, who stumbles? What about the person who goes through periods of, of doubt and confusion? What about the person who just struggles to endure? Again, I, I think this promise here is about the authenticity of our faith. Paul is dealing with authentic faith, not the quality or the amount of it. God's saving grace is upon those who have authentic faith in his son Jesus. For he cannot deny the infinite worth and value of Jesus Christ. He cannot deny himself. I think that's what these verses mean. Life is hard, isn't it? I mean, the Christian life, a life of authentic faith in Christ, dying to yourself, that's hard. It, it, It takes endurance, and look, the mindset of, of we just got to get through this, it's just, it's not going to work. It will not produce endurance over the long haul. That lasting endurance, that getting to the end of your life and being able to look back and to say, man, I ran the race well. It requires a much more robust purpose and aim than that. And to endure in the Christian life, we must remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We must be driven by the power of God's word and by a love for God's people and we must look to and trust in the rock-solid promises of God. And you know, I can't help but think of uh, Hebrews 12. Let me read it for you. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 12. I think it's really just a summary uh, of this passage. Listen to this. It says, Let us... Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you might not grow weary or faint-hearted. It was for the joy set before him 
that Jesus endured the cross. What was this joy that was set before Jesus? What what was it that empowered Jesus to endure? It's no different than what Paul is telling Timothy here in this text, right? It was the resurrection that awaited Jesus, right? He knew that, that after death came resurrection, it was a love for the people of God to be rescued and redeemed from their sins. Right? On the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right? In his death, he was looking, he was focusing on, on those that he came to save, those he came to redeem and rescue. And it was the certain promise that he would live and reign over the kingdom, seated at the right hand of his father. And so we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus endured the cross so that we might be able to endure unto eternal glory. That's the gospel. It's good news. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.